wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. When people think about pleasurable orgasmic birth, many think it's only for those lucky few who've never had challenges or trauma. That is why Helen's birth story in our documentary, Orgasmic Birth, was so important to me to include. Helen was impacted by sexual abuse and through her healing work and through a positive, powerful birth, birth became a defining moment in Helen's healing. Today's guest also has a powerful story of healing through an ecstatic home birth to share, and I know she will inspire you too. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. My guest today is Megan Hindi. Megan is the author of The Healing You Can Do, an illustrated children's book for the inner child of readers of all ages. She's also a life coach, an archer, a horsewoman, and a doula. Megan has a passion for helping women redefine their story, their worth, and their future through her empowerment program called The Wildish Way in West Milford, New Jersey. She offers archery instruction, private archery parties, events, healing through horsemanship, life coaching, and birth coaching doula services. Megan, I am so honored. Also from New Jersey, it's amazing we're not far from each other. It is such a pleasure to have you join us today and share your incredible journey of trauma healing through an ecstatic home birth. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I'm really excited. Well, I know it's so important, you know, as I started, you know, so often people think that you have to have this perfect life in order to access healing on any level or to access a joyful, pleasurable, blissful, just positive birth. So I know you've been on a real journey and that's what's led you in your own healing to be such a great healer for so many others through your work right now. Can you kind of take us on that journey with you? How did you begin? Well, thank you. Yeah, how I began, trauma and abuse, low self-worth has literally been existent in my life since my first cognizant memory Um, at six years old. I have no memories before six. And when I was six, I kind of woke up right on this earth to being spoken lowly to, to being physically abused, mainly by my mother. But I also experienced bullying in school, a lot of negative situations that led me to feeling like nothing. I mean, I was told by everyone around me that I was nothing. And I didn't exactly think that this was only me. I knew that other people, since I was a child, I knew that other people were suffering, but because my heart had been, you know, broken from first, first being awake on this earth, it was really hard for me to, to get to a point of being sensitive to that. And I wore a really, really hard exterior through my whole childhood and then into adulthood, early adulthood mainly. And, you know, I honestly, 
from an early age, I had seen the darkness in humanity. I had seen the things that I wanted to, that I led with being afraid of, because I honestly didn't see too much more than that being reflected back to me. And you know, fast forward through being that kind of dark force and having, especially in early adulthood, reckless sexual behavior, reckless lifestyle behavior, that honestly, looking back, it was a picture perfect example of a sexual abuse survivor. But because I had no memories before age six, I always told myself, well, I, I don't remember anything, so it must not have happened. But everything in my body kind of fed back something else. And in the way that my mind worked and the way I interacted with men and women, it was it was an interesting time. And looking back, I just want to hug young Megan. And I'm sure a lot of healed women look back and would like to hug their younger selves too. And so my, you know, we're fast forwarding back to um, forward to age 29 when my mom, who was my main, my main abuser, she, and I loved her very much. <laughs> and she died when I was 29. And she actually got diagnosed with ALS when I was 27, just a few months after I got married. And that was a big, just wallop in my life. You know, everything came crashing down, but that was the first time that I learned to kind of set building blocks of self-preservation and also self-betterment in order to take care of my mom through the next two years. Looking back, that was quite a time of building resilience and an understanding of, of my strength, but didn't quite associate it yet into my whole life. And so when she died, when I was 29, that was the first time I experienced grief that took me out of my body, that took me, took me somewhere else. And I didn't know it then, but I would begin a love affair with grief at that point and death. And I'll fast forward again. After my mom died, we ended up picking a place on a map. You know, my husband and I were just we were ready to move away from it all. We picked a place on the map and picked Portland, Oregon because of Portlandia. We thought, you know, we want to be somewhere where we're not the weirdest people on the street. We were currently in Illinois in the Midwest, which we were the weirdest people on the street. And <laughs> so we picked a place, Portland, we got there. We started a whole life there. We ended up rescuing horses, rescuing animals of all kinds, starting a farm. And that's when just, let's see, when I was 30, I got pregnant with my first daughter and she changed my life from the moment I saw the positive sign. I realized at that moment, I, I had never really wanted to be a mom, not because I didn't want to be a mom. A, there were two parts of it. A, I didn't believe that I deserved that joy. And B, I didn't know if I could be capable of not becoming my mother and hurting her the way that my mom hurt me. And sometimes life does not give you a way out. <laughs> and I looked at that positive sign and I had to make a decision. Do I, do I move forward with this or, you know, do I not? And I chose to move forward with this. And I chose to head into a moment in my life and, and the next few months of my life that would forever change my life. I found the most incredible midwives at Nest Midwifery in Portland. They were the mothers I never had. And they, they gave me an example they gave me an example of what motherhood, womanhood, and sisterhood could be. And so when I ended up having, you know, having Sela, it was a beautiful summer day. And I just remember I had set the stage perfectly, you know, for months. I had been studying more of a primal mindset. I hadn't found your documentary yet. I found it. I found orgasmic birth with my second pregnancy. But I had kind of been going into a primal space and attending to myself space. And that was when I kind of learned just the, just the very beginning of melting parts of my heart, but 
looking back, I barely touched the surface. So <laughs> when I had Sela, it was, you know, I set the stage for a fairy tale birth. And it was exactly that. It was outdoors in the water on my deck, overlooking the mountains of Yakult, Washington and Mount St. Helens. And I just wanted to feel small. And that's when, you know, nature oriented birth really, really pulled to me. I wanted to look up at the, at the trees or at the stars or at the mountains that had been there since the beginning of everything. And I wanted to just, I wanted to just feel like part of it. And so when I experienced birth for the first time, I remember these sounds coming out of me that showed looking back kind of this resistance to the energy. I still birthed beautifully. It went so well, so smooth. And I would call it pleasurable, but it was so I couldn't quite get ahead of the intensity. And then I ended up dissociating as I was pushing her and looking back, that was a massive trauma response that I didn't know was there. Right. And I met her, she came out and I remember actually before her, when her head came out and before her body came out, I went from being intense to looking around and smiling like I was somewhere else. And I said, it's so easy. Oh, it's so, it's, this is so amazing. So easy. And her head is out, but her body is not. I mean, that is the most stretched I've ever been. And that was an incredible experience. And then you saw me in the video kind of, she's in my arms and in one push, one push took one breath and then she came out and I'm holding her. And then I go, oh, like I came back. You saw me come back <laughs> and everyone laughed. So anyway, the first few months of, of postpartum with her was incredible. I have never been so blissed out in my life. But then a few months postpartum, about four or five, I started having flashbacks during intimacy to a rape at a very early age very early, definitely in those blank years. And I spent two months experiencing them every single time I was intimate with my partner and unable to find the words to say it, just unable. I could not. And one day it blurted out and it changed everything for us. We had to make major decisions about you know, physical touch and taking time and, you know, what trauma therapy would mean for me because I'd never found a good therapist. So at that point did find a great therapist and ended up experiencing the single-handedly most life-changing kind of therapy I've ever experienced, which was EMDR, EMDR. And it is, I mean, it, it might not work for everyone, but it definitely worked for me so much that it ended up being the reason my book was inspired to me later. That was when I experienced for the first time empathy for my abuser, not necessarily the first man, but definitely subsequent abusers, bullies, my mother. It changed what trauma meant to me. We are all interconnected. And this has been kind of the anchor of why birth can be blissful, why serving women in birth can be so blissful, why serving anyone in any capacity can give us full joy. We're all connected. So after the EMDR, I, I felt this new lease on life. I ended up getting pregnant on purpose with my second child. And her pregnancy was bananas, blissful, empowering. I became a different person. I started new ventures. I co-founded a company with my husband during that time. And I drove things, man. That energy was with me. And it turns out that energy was, was my second daughter. She was inhabiting me. And her birth was definitely the most ecstatic experience, orgasmic experience of my life. And, and I want to make it clear, I've never experienced orgasmic intercourse. I've never. 
that's not something I can with the trauma experience, I'm sure. And to say that I can't is different than knowing that there's other gates I'm going to open and cross to get to that point. But that's why her birth was so amazing. And that's why I'm here to thank you. Because during her pregnancy, I found orgasmic birth. Man, it, it changed. It changed me. It changed the way I perceived my body. It changed the way I perceived my what had been done to me and that I was not defined by it. And especially in birth, I could be connected to a higher source. And that was, I was the higher source, <laughs> earth, nature, me. It was amazing. And her birth was on Earth Day. I breathed her down for a simple 10 minutes after transition. And in transition, it was intense. But I remember I was seeing sparkles in the in the air. I was on DMT, I'm convinced. Like I, that's what I experienced. And I did have that moment of going to the stars and bringing her back down. And then I, I was winking at, I was winking at my birth team. I was going, Hey, like, Ooh, isn't this amazing? Oh my gosh. What is this? Oh, Oh, Oh. And I made out with my husband. It was bananas. She, you know, breathed her down, put her in my arms. I caught her myself, put her in my arms. And then I said, I was present the whole time that something so intense happening in your body and you get to be present after decades of dissociating in order to live. It was huge. It was a moment that changed me forever. And I've never looked at my body the same way. It doesn't mean that life has been perfect since then. It does mean that, you know, trauma still rears its head, but I'm telling you, Deborah, it was, it, it was life-changing. And I encourage anyone who wants more experience on that birth, uh, more, you know, understanding on that birth to reach out to me and definitely go watch the birth videos. And then, you know, Honestly, after Adira's birth, I, I was a completely different person in like a new way, a new step up, and then ended up being inspired to write my book. In a moment, I was nursing her on the couch and I was thinking to myself, what did I need to find this healing sooner? I was just thinking about how blessed I was. And like a voice in my ear, the first few pages of my book came to me. It was just like something whispered it to me. I took my nursing pillow, my, my nursing pillow, and I walked over to my table, my dining room table, latched her to my breast and started writing the book. And two days later, the full manuscript was done. Wow. Yeah. Well, then I got pregnant six months postpartum. With my oh son. my goodness. So sorry if my mascara is running. That's okay. So, You're um, tearing me all up with your story too. It's, it's so been a powerful. Big six years. My oldest daughter is only six right now. So I got pregnant six months postpartum with my son and I had already hired an illustrator. I had already been looking for an editor. It turns out she was a YouTube follower of mine. And I was like, will you edit my book? You're amazing. Let's talk. And at that point I got pregnant. I thought to myself, like, what am I going to do? I need to fast track this book. So I just got to work with that. But when I found out that it would be a boy, Deborah, I can't tell you how much that threw me for a loop. I mean, it threw me for a loop. That was when the deep-seated fear and anger that I had at men for the abuses that had been done to me and all women, not just me, I'm very sensitive to the pain of all women and the systematic abuse of so many men. It came up like a tidal wave and I, you know, sank into my midwives. I sank into the wise women, especially the ones that were helping me with my book. And I just... I just bathed in their wisdom. And I, that was the first time that I fully put so much of my trust mentally, spiritually, physically with these women. 
And when I gave birth to him, well, actually I'll go back to the day before I knew something was stalling because I'm very in tune with my body and always knew that something was gearing up or something was not gearing up in the right time. I called my best friend. Well, one of my best friends, Aaliyah. And I said, Aaliyah, you know, I'm scared. I'm scared to release this man into the world. And I just remember one thing that she said to me, and I want to say this to all the other women who might be afraid to release their children for whatever reason, Megan, he's not like the men before him. He is your son and you are his mother. And that I remembered that this woman had never raised a son before, and this would be that son. And so to jump forward to the next day, I went into labor and I texted her. I said, it happened. I can't believe it. And I knew that there was some uh, mental gate that was un unlatched. And his birth was a thunderstorm came and talked to him. You can ask me more about that privately. I won't take the time. Thunderstorm came, interacted with me and the baby. And that through that day, we had a wave of all different kinds of weather that greeted us through that labor. I was outside the whole time. <laughs> I, not during the thunderstorm, but later for the hail, for the rain, for the sun, for the warm, for the cool. And I was, I was one with it all. And it, I believe that a deer is ecstatic birth actually put in that muscle memory into me to be able to release and surrender to the forces around me. And then there was a point where I'm super into the birth, super into labor. I look over at the tub. Someone asked me, is it time to get in the water? And I looked and it felt like I was looking at a grave. And I remembered something felt like death there, but it wasn't death of anything except for my ego and a release of my anger, a release of what I was holding on to in order to feel like me, which was anger, toxicity, and fear. And at that point, I got in, uh, made the decision to surrender all of that. And his birth was, was pretty sober. It was not the most high experience of my life in terms of birth energy. But when I pushed him out, I remember this kind of explosion in my body, in my head, and then lightning cracked across the sky over Mount St. Helens as his head came out. And I just remember, I remember being so... I wasn't even shook. That's how much had how I had experienced through his birth and his pregnancy. I wasn't even shook. And I held him in my arms after he was out and he looked straight at me and I looked straight at him. And then there's a picture of us uh, three days after he was born and him just gazing at me with these alert, awake eyes and me gazing back at him. And since his birth, I mean, my perception of men has changed to the point that instead of only serving women, now I serve men in the archery program too. When they come to me, I open the space for them. I want them to be able to get in touch with that wild that wild instinctual self that I believe can heal anyone from any background, any gender, any identity, any life. And it's been really amazing what he did for my perception of men. And anyway, a year after he was born, I threw out pregnancies. I had been studying mounted archery with my mentor and teacher out there. And so that's archery on horseback. And I started Wildish Way almost in a moment of just, I wonder what other people might be interested in, made a post. And then within a few days, I was fully booked to my capacity. And I had one-on-one -on -one coaching clients working with, you know, post-trauma recovery, understanding that we're not looking back at the trauma. We're looking at your present moving forward and redefining our worth and our our mindfulness in this moment and what our bodies mean to us, what our spirits mean to us. And then I started teaching archery and kind of the rest is history after our move, because we just celebrated our first full working spring, summer, and fall in our new New Jersey location. And it's, it's been amazing to watch this program transform 
the way literally everyone that walks onto this soil comes as they are, is accepted as they are, celebrated as they are. That's something most of us have never experienced and what I certainly did not receive. But to be able to hold space for that and then guide the people who are looking to connect with their wild woman selves, we're not only working with birth energy here, we're working with sex energy, death energy, birth energy, because it turns out it is the same, the same cycle. And the surrender needed the surrender required to receive the full ecstatic effects of birth. I have laid down with my dying horses and put my nose against theirs and breathed in their dying breath and told them I loved them. And it is the same energy as greeting my children. It's the same. And so we're just over here kind of collaborating with our community and helping women to find their true wild nature, true instinctual and intuitive nature in them because it's not just for birth, it's for life and it's for living after trauma. It's for living a full life in general. So it's not life coaching, it's quality of life coaching. Yes. Oh, Megan, and your story, like your journey from your trauma, right, to really taking that pain to, I like to say pain to power in that through your births, but I also want to just hear you like EMDR, I couldn't, I'm so glad that you found healing and peace in that. And for someone who's listening and may never have heard of EMDR, do you think you could just give like a one minute description of what that is? Yeah. Well, my experience, and I do, I believe that there are different methods of it, but she had me hold two pieces of, you know, metal that could be electronically stimulated to vibrate in my hands. And she had me, it was, there's this moment of fear in the very beginning, because you know that you're going to go back to a memory, but she had me choose the memories. She said something that you have the most, the most cognizant awareness of the sensations you felt, you know, you can really go back there. And it was the first memory of my life, which was my mother hurting me and calling me names and throwing things at me. And to be clear, my mother was a very haunted woman. And I knew that before EMDR, but it was during EMDR when she's having the things vibrate in my hand and having me go back to that place. And then having me in the moment rewire and redirect my thought process as these painful experiences are happening. And I just remember, especially an especially traumatic um, second event of EMDR, not traumatic, the EMDR, but traumatic, the right. memory. And there was a boy that was hurting me very badly in school. And I remember the kind of the experience of EMDR for me was, you know, she brings me back there. I'm in it. And then it flashed in my mind to him being badly hurt by his father as a little boy. Right. And yeah, it. It changed everything for me because I had never seen my abusers that way. I had never seen my abusers that way in my experience. And that's kind of when the book kind of, we took it from the pain of the survivor here and we see this faceless, more male entity doing the damage. But, you know, after her kind of healing experience for herself, she ends up finding that there's a hurt little boy in him and she doesn't. There's no mention of kind of, you know, let's forgive it all because, hey, I'm a trauma survivor and I believe that survivors are, they have a space to hold that pain in themselves if they choose to. And the anger, I understand that. Um, for myself, though, when I made the decision to breathe affirmation into their inner child and move move into a new phase for myself, and that's what happens in the book, she ends up growing wings from the hardest moments in her life and flying above it all. That is what I believe is called post-traumatic post growth, I think. I was just watching a video on it yesterday. 
and kind of the resilience that instead of just bouncing back up, it's kind of like, boom, and then you, you explode into a new dimension of growth and ascension. And that is what, honestly, I believe that that's what ecstatic orgasmic birth kind of helped my body learn to do. Thank you for explaining that. And your book is just so beautiful and such an inspiring healing journey, right? With the message that we all can heal and you certainly have healed and now are helping so many others heal. But I also want to, there's something else you said in the process too, that your midwives, and we both got teary as you talked about it, how they remothered you and they were really there. And are there other things that they did that helped you on your healing journey to prepare for your births? Yes. Holding fierce space was something I learned from my midwives. It's not that they all did it with the kind of the rough and tough attitude that I hold space with. And trust me, as a doula or as an archery instructor, or, you know, as you're running with your horse, I'm kind of a rough and tough kind of girl. That's that's my energy, really kind of a lot. My midwives, I just remember that they held fierce space with their eye contact. They looked me dead in the eye and there was no shame. There was no judgment. That was the first time I'd experienced a woman looking at me that way. Um, especially a, a mother figure, you know, as we're pregnant, we're vulnerable. And these women, if they're good midwives, I believe that even you know, whatever style they do it with, they hold you in, in their maternal gifted, you know, healing hands, the hands that will greet your baby one day. And I believe that these midwives, they, they held fierce space for me in their gentle way. And when I was, you know, when I was afraid, they, they listened and they gave good, wise, wise advice, but it was always advice that allowed me the chance to make my own decision moving forward. It was never, I would do this, you do this, you know, this is what we suggest. It was never like that. So there was no authoritarian nature to them. We were equals, but somehow I was being given the gifts of what womanhood and motherhood could look like. And I do have them to thank for the amount of sensitivity and vulnerability I was able to grow through all three pregnancies because I had the same midwives through all three pregnancies or the same singular midwife that led it and then interchangeable others. And all of them were this amazing kind of like coven energy of magic makers with me. And there's pictures of, you know, Uriel's birth where we're sitting by the fire pit, all holding hands in this circle of four, I think. And then, you know, in the tub, they're holding my hands and greeting my eyes with these just gentle, soft, and almost reverent. Yes, that's what it was. They looked at me with reverence. And I- So beautiful. It redefined what I could look at myself like. So to them, I'm, I'm forever grateful. Yeah. And I think that message is so powerful to people that are listening because sometimes we think of caregivers, right? Just like whoever they are, whoever shows up, but it's really who is there for you having that midwife or, you know, if you have a doctor, someone who really does have that reverence for you. And I just want to read a few of the words that you wrote down that you're far more powerful than you know, even when you can't see it due to a background of trauma, abuse, or dehumanization. And you said, birth can give you new eyes to see your own power. And would you like, as we're coming to the end, for people that are listening that may be on their own healing journey and preparing for birth, 
what other tip or wisdom would you want to share with them so that they can really find that pleasure in the intensity of birth and trust their body? Primal energy is so feared, villainized, and underrated in our society. And it's the main element that I work with, right? Whether it's standing with a 2000 pound horse or it's, you know, shooting bow and arrow or birthing a child. I have learned to harness primal energy to facilitate growth, manifestation, the life you want for yourself, not in a magic making sense manifestation, but a co-creation with the universe. It's, it's amazing. But to get there, that, you know, I'm sure when you were making the documentary and I just like, I'm still nerding out that I'm talking to you about this. I'm sure that watching these women hit that space where you can tell they're not even seeing the world as we're seeing it, right? They're in another element, another dimension and another kind of interaction with themselves that they've likely never witnessed quite like this before. I believe that to get there, there's something primal that has to happen in a normally very well-behaved brain a well-behaved psyche, well-behaved, I'm going to say woman, because men are, men are celebrated for their primalness in certain elements, you know, in certain times, certain seasons of their life or, you know, in, in vast accomplishments. Oh yeah. I encourage women to lean into the, the fierce, the ancient. I remember when I was, I don't know if I already told the story in this video. I said, when I was having Sela, I said, I feel like a, I, when I was having Sela, I felt like a baby. This is when I have a, having a Dira. And I said, but with this one, I feel ancient. So I believe that if you can connect either through birth affirmations are my favorite thing in the whole wide world, because I lean into words. I, I follow words. I love them. They inspire me music. Oh my gosh. If you want a badass playlist, Hire me for a coaching session. I will get you there. We will go through my playlist and I will give you all the keys. This is what we use to shoot, to work with horses, to birth. I love it. Anything with a heavy beat, drum, something that inspires something hungry in you. So yes, my tips are primal, lean into hunger, lean into desire. And more than anything, learn what it feels like to push the button of permitting yourself to enjoy exactly not only who you are in this moment, And this is the part that does sometimes get me emotional, but who you have always been since the moment you opened your sweet little eyes. And then if you can coordinate that with the celebration with who you are today, and then the celebration with who you are becoming and who you will die as. I do not believe that primal nature is only in this moment. I believe it's when you connect to the ancestral wisdom in yourself and then the knowledge that we are all only here for a moment. So let's enjoy this moment for everything it is. And I believe that you have to lose a lot. And I'll end with this. I believe you have to lose a lot to get to the place of understanding that. So to the trauma survivors out there, I know that you are the most powerful people on the face of the earth. You have seen darkness, you have faced it head on, and you have lived to tell the tale. So what you have inside of you is a superpower to see who needs to be saved, to see what needs to be healed in you. So get up, find sisters, find midwives, find a community, find a space and do it because you have the power within you. I promise you, you do. And just keep going, keep living to tell the tale and give grace and empowerment to all those around you. It's been quite a journey. 
Oh, Megan, I have to just breathe in every word you just said. It's so powerful. I truly love you and just am so grateful that you had this incredible journey and that you shared it with me and with everyone listening today, because you're going to inspire everyone to lean into their powerful, wild, primal self. So I know people want to find you, follow you, listen to you. How can people get your book, share about it again, and where can they find you and follow you? Yeah. So number one, if you want to see these birth videos, hours of footage, I made sure to record it all. You can find those on Patreon at patreon.com slash birth warrior. You can also kind of get an intro to me on YouTube and that's under the channel birth warrior. And you won't find the birth videos there, but you'll find kind of teaser trailers and affirmations and the ways I think and feel and attempts to connect that all for you guys. I do encourage you to also find me on TikTok at Follow me here, wildish underscore way underscore rebirth. You can email me wildishway.rebirth at gmail.com. You can also find us at www.wildishway.com. And to buy the book that will honestly redefine how you view your trauma and how you view your worth, that's called The Healing You Can Do. And I do have an Etsy shop, but also I encourage you, if you are a mental health care worker, a midwife, if you're anyone that works with clients in any capacity, working on inner child work, healing of any kind, please do reach out to me because I work one-on-one with single buyers and then with you know bundle buyers. If you're looking to get this book in your offices, I do have books in bookstores, midwife's offices, counseling, school counselors. So don't feel silly about reaching out to me if you want this book in your hands for any reason. Yeah, I think that's it. But also we, you know, if you have any questions, please just find me at www.wildishway.com. And we have a Facebook page, Wildish Way. Okay. Awesome. And Megan, we'll put that all in the show notes. So if you're listening going, that was a lot. Wherever you're listening right now, look below into the show notes and all those links will be right there. So thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you to everyone that's listening. We really hope that you will share your feedback, your comments, your favorite takeaway. We love to hear from you. So please tag us on social as well at Orgasmic Birth. And we hope that you'll like and subscribe so that you'll stay tuned for all the next episodes of our Orgasmic Birth podcast. Wishing you all peace and pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe. Thank you.